Hello and welcome to the I Am Human Holistic Healing Podcast. My name's Amari, and this podcast is a part of my website, holistichill.com. Holistic with a Q, hill.com. Now, let's get into the subject of this episode, which is part three of your narrative titled Beliefs. Are you perceiving danger in things that are safe? Our level of perception is by far one of the most powerful aspects that we have in controlling the way that we think. Because if we perceive a threat or a possibility of what if, like what if this, what if that, then we can potentially trigger our body to go into a sympathetic stress response, which literally feels like anxiety. Understand that we can trigger this very real physiological response with an imagined threat. It is those subconscious and unconscious aspects that continue to reinforce our habitual ways of thinking, even though it really feels uncomfortable and we rather not experience these dense mental and emotional states. We keep thinking in these ways, like we don't know how to stop or where to begin, like we just get carried away, like getting carried away with a trigger. Like this is something that is way too common in our times today where a person is not consciously and willingly choosing to be depressed or have extreme levels of anxiety. But when a thought process kicks in, we all have the potential to spiral down with it because of our habitual ways of thinking and how it has created strong neural networks in our brain with cognitive distortions. For example, like the cognitive distortion of mental filtering, which is focusing on the negative or like only paying attention to and seeing the negative aspects of experiencing life or like the cognitive distortion of catastrophizing, which is overthinking on all the possibilities and probabilities and the what ifs. And so these are cognitive distortions. And so I will actually make a separate episode around cognitive distortions. And cognitive distortions are actually a perfect example of limiting beliefs that taint our perception. Now, remember when I gave that example of perception being a filtering system and also the perception being like a pair of glasses? Now, beliefs are actually like the lenses. So if you think of your perception like a pair of glasses with which you view yourself and your entire reality, limiting beliefs are like lenses that distort the view and outlook of life and reality as a whole. So there is an error when it comes to our limiting beliefs and how they actually influence our level of perception in ways that we don't really understand like they actually control and distort our perception like we are seeing things 
in ways that are actually not really true. These limiting beliefs are distorting our perception as it has the potential to make us continuously perceive a bunch of threats that go on to activate that sympathetic stress response. These cognitive distortions and limiting beliefs are mostly held in the subconscious and unconscious minds and they go on to reinforce our thoughts and behaviors. So it's all interconnected. It's not that we just think or be in a, in a certain way, just one day we wake up and we're like this. It's actually a whole process and there's different layers and different levels when it comes to our mind and understanding our mind. And so the biggest clues are in the unconscious mind. So to define a belief, it is a thought that we have accepted as true. So a belief is a thought that we have accepted as true. A belief can be held even if there is no way to prove the validity of the belief in actual reality. A limiting belief is a thought that we have accepted as true while it's actually preventing us from reaching our true potential. And so everyone holds multiple limiting beliefs. Most of our limiting beliefs are usually deeply embedded in our mind and have roots that stem from childhood and life experience overall. When we are born, our minds are like empty vessels that take in our environment and circumstances, which begins to condition our thoughts into creating our beliefs about life and ourself. For example, growing up in high school, there were certain beliefs about what was cool and what wasn't. And so this went on to impact behaviors. But this isn't just something that goes for high school, but it actually goes for all of life experience. It is especially those early childhood experiences that sets the foundation for which a brain develops and impacts all areas of a person's life, even in adulthood. Most of our limiting beliefs developed in childhood as we were not always able to process the things that happened around us. In general, limiting beliefs come from all the different things that happen in your life. Our habitual ways of being, like our go-to ways, our core values and beliefs, many of them were actually established upon and created in a state of experiencing trauma because the experience was so overwhelming, we have the potential to develop the tendency to associate certain things with the possibility of re-experiencing a similar event and thereby putting up defense mechanisms. So this tendency of associating things, it has the potential to come to a point where it might take over a person's life entirely, where they now are in a place of pretty much perceiving threats or danger in things that are actually safe. And so this can become very problematic and potentially can even develop depression and other very serious health issues as you 
in a way become a prisoner of your own mind and its perceived threats. So when it comes to your ways of thinking and your thought process, your mindset, pay attention to the reality of the fact that there is a constant dialogue going on inside your head. It is a dialogue between you and your interjects. It's those voices in your mind that intrude abruptly. The voices represent your life experience. Some represent your parents and some represent role models such as teachers or other influential peers, while others represent society as a whole. But voices from past traumas and pains are also present and they amplify the ego's system of desire for control. Think about how your identity is formed by this dialogue. Does your identity interact and influence this dialogue? Does this dialogue change you or do you change the dialogue? I mentioned previously how it's very common for many of us to be carried away with a trigger and be looping in a stress response. And I'd like you to think about this inner dialogue and how this inner dialogue actually partakes in this unfolding and how we actually get carried away with a trigger is very connected to this inner dialogue. And it's also very connected to that 5%, 95% where we may be triggered and start running automatically. That there tells us that we are in the unconscious and subconscious minds. We are running automatically. We are running on old stories, on that old narrative. Here, when it comes to this inner dialogue, as I said, does this dialogue change you or do you change the dialogue? What we can do here as we are in this state of dysregulation where we're not thinking straight, but it really helps when, when a person is able to be aware of the fact that they're in a state of dysregulation, like the simple awareness makes a big difference because that awareness brings in the conscious mind. And here you're actually able to change the dialogue. Instead of the dialogue changing you and you getting carried away with the trigger and thereby looping in a stress response, know that by practicing awareness, by centering your focus, by redirecting your focus and being in your conscious mind, you can stop this dialogue and change the dialogue. So the concept of inner dialogue is something that has always been of great debate. Scholars like Freud and Jung suggested that there are structures within the mind that interact with each other and thereby go on to create this inner dialogue. And so these structures are the conscious and the unconscious and subconscious minds. While other scholars disagreed and said that it's not the structures that interact with each other, but rather it is the mental thought processes that go on to create the phenomena of inner dialogue. Either way, we have this very real phenomena of the inner dialogue and that is why it is very important for us all to learn and develop methods where we can take charge and control over our inner dialogue. With our thoughts, we can easily become our own worst enemy in the way that we think 
like in the way that we think about all things, like about ourselves and our life circumstances, that the things that happen in our life and all things in general, like with our thoughts, we can easily turn against ourselves. And so that is why it is important that we all learn how to train our minds to serve us instead of working against ourselves. It all starts in the mind with our thoughts as they're the gateway into our human system as a whole. Science has proven that we're able to knock our body out of balance just by thoughts alone. Now ask yourself, what is your narrative plot? What is that story that you have been repeatedly telling yourself? Is your narrative pessimistic or optimistic? And most importantly, what are your beliefs? Because your narratives are written based on your beliefs. The story that you tell yourself and the things that you say to yourself has the potential to support you or limit you. When you don't believe that you're able, then you won't because you keep limiting yourself. Limiting beliefs are those things that you say and believe about yourself that ultimately places limitations on your abilities. They creep in from the subconscious mind as a form of coping and defense mechanisms, telling you things that are not true. They are no more than assumptions about your life and reality that come from your perceptions of experiencing life. We have this thing where... Being told to stop thinking negatively or that you're always meant to be in a happy and blissed out state all the time is not real. It is actually toxic positivity. And yeah, there's actually a thing and is real and it is related to some form of suppression and escapism. So you cannot pretend your way out of your unconscious drives that are deeply embedded in your mind. Spiritually speaking, the only thing that is required here is authenticity because we cannot fake positivity in that sense when dealing with deep-rooted anxiety and depression. These are problems that actually arise from conflicts between material residing within the conscious and unconscious minds, which then go on to generate the mental disturbances of depression and anxiety. In psychoanalysis, breaking free from the effects of the unconscious mind is achieved by gradually bringing the unconscious material into the conscious mind by some form of therapy. There's many different means, but essentially the principle here is taking the material that is hidden and stored deep in the unconscious mind and bringing it forward into the awareness of the conscious mind. So by becoming aware of the deeply embedded memories and experiences of trauma that went on to create the core beliefs that reinforce those distortions in our perception. So by becoming aware through this awareness, we break free from the effects of the unconscious mind. The subconscious mind totally accepts at face value 
whatever belief we hold as true. The subconscious mind does not judge right or wrong, true or false. That is the job of the conscious mind. But when the conscious mind accepts false beliefs as true, the subconscious mind has no other option than accepting them. If the conscious mind thinks it is unsafe in a certain context, while it's not true but it believes so due to past traumas that is clouding the judgment, the perception, then the subconscious mind will develop defense mechanisms of making sure that unsafe context does not reoccur. That is why it is the conscious mind's job to operate like a gate, like a protector of what do we allow ourselves to believe? What do we take on as truth? And what sources do we have that backs that truth up? Our conscious mind is like a warrior at the gate. When thoughts that are negative and downcutting show up, the conscious mind should be up to defend but when there is so much trauma and we are unable to differ past experiences from current ones on a neurological level, we then allow these thoughts into our subconscious mind. The conscious mind is like a healthy protector and the subconscious mind is like a righteous servant. And so this concludes the three-part transmissions of your narrative. For more information, you can visit my website, Holistic hill holistic with a q hill.com <music>